What a blessed and a beautiful day that the Lord has made, and we come to rejoice and to be glad. And I'm excited to come and to have this opportunity to share on another Sunday morning as we seek to lift up God and to give him glory today. Uh, I'm going to ask you, if you will, uh, turn with me uh, to the book of Philippians, chapter number four. Uh, We have been sharing from this book, and I'm going to jump a little bit ahead because I think it is critically important that we share just a word of encouragement, a word of, of, of comfort for, for believers everywhere that even as we face the things that we're facing nowadays, we can have confident assurance that God will take care of us. Amen. So Philippians chapter number four, and we're going to look at verses six and seven. Glory to God. Philippians chapter number four, verses six and seven. The text says this. Do not worry about anything. I'm going to repeat that. Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Those two verses right there are very uh, significant that, you know, because we understand that God can give us peace. He can give us peace during times like this. Over the past couple of weeks, again, we've been taking an in-depth look at this book by the Apostle Paul, uh, his letter to the church at Philippi, and one that he pins, guys, while he's sitting in a Roman jail. One that he writes uh, to encourage others while he himself is incarcerated just for preaching the gospel. And he writes to thank these Philippians for the gift that they have sent him and to strengthen these believers by showing them that true joy comes from Jesus Christ alone. Uh, Given the sudden change, guys, uh, in the way that we are having to conduct our daily lives uh, in view of this worldwide virus outbreak, I'm sure there is an overwhelming need for us as believers uh, in Christ to make certain that we understand and embrace where true joy comes from. Because so many times we've been told that joy comes from uh, a relationship with a person and you can get joy from that. But if that person is not Jesus Christ, I'm here to tell you that that's not true joy. It's not everlasting joy. Uh, so we want to make sure that we understand that Paul is trying to encourage them here. If you're like me, and I'm sure most of you are, suddenly you're using terminology that has not been a part of your normal everyday vocabulary. Terms such as social distancing. Now, if, if I had to call it what I would call it, I would just say, stay away from me. Don't touch me. But the term social distances is now being used. Uh, the term pandemic, which is a, a, a global uh, disease outbreak. We don't normally use that in our customary talking day by day. Uh, COVID-19 is not something that we normally utilize. Shelter in place is not something that we normally say during our everyday teaching or everyday talking. Uh, I would probably say stay, stay in your own house and I'll stay in my own house. That's sheltered in place. But, but we, we want to understand that Paul here is writing here. And, 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 and as we observe what's happening across this country, I think it's, it's, it's crucially important for us to get uh, this down in our spirit. Because even in the midst of what's happening, I want you to know that fear does not have to take hold of you. And that's, that's what we want to talk about today. I want to talk about overcoming fear overcoming fear. Can you say that with me? Overcoming fear. Because we know as we study our Bibles, guys, that scripture teaches us that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And so I, I began to think about this and as I was sharing in my, in, my, in my prayer time, my mind went back to Matthew, the 24th chapter. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn back with me to Matthew 24. And we're going to begin reading at verse number three, Matthew, the 24th chapter, verse number three, overcoming fear. Because if you look at what's happening around us and when you look at what's happening across this globe, it could easily cause you to walk in fear. But I'm here to tell you as a born again believer, you don't have to walk in fear. Matthew 24, verse number three. And this is this has happened as Jesus has shared some things with his disciples. And, and later on, scripture says Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when will all this happen? 
What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Look at verse number four. It says, Jesus told him, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Everybody say, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Look at the next verse. It says, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. Next verse says what? But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. So they were, Jesus was giving them uh, an insight as to what would be the climate during the last days? What would be the climate before his return back to earth? And we know who studied our Bibles that, that Jesus is coming back for the church. The rapture is different for him coming back to establish his millennium kingdom. But he says these signs will be there. And it's like the birth pain of a woman. Any woman that's ever had a baby know that throughout the course of that pregnancy, you have birth pains. But as the birth gets closer, as the birth of that child gets closer to its due date, those birth uh, uh, birth pains begin to get a little bit more steep, a little bit more severe, uh, and come in greater frequency. And I believe uh, that that what we're seeing across this globe today is just the birth pains of the signs of Christ coming becoming more frequent. I know most of us who are sitting here probably never thought, Amen. When we started uh, January one of this year, and everybody was talking about 2020 vision, nobody saw this in their 2020 vision. I know I did. When it came to our church, I never I never had uh, in my 2020 vision that we were not going to meet on the fourth Sunday in the month of March in 2020. I didn't have it on there, but it happened. And so we got to make sure, guys, that even as we, we go forth, that sudden things that happen, if they're not we're not careful, they can cause us to begin to fear. And so uh, this morning, again, as we looked at this fourth chapter of Philippians, I want to drill down again on that verse number six and seven, because I think it speaks to the mindset that each of us should possess, amen, during this time that we're living in. Each of us should possess during times of turmoil, during times of uncertainty. Uh, let's talk about fear for a second. Fear is one thing that will keep us from walking in peace. I, wanna, I, wanna turn, I, I want you to turn with me to Isaiah, the 26th chapter. Isaiah 26. And I'm going to read this from the King James Version of the, of the Scripture. Isaiah chapter number 26. Verse number three and four. Let's look at this right quick because I think this speaks to the mindset that we should have. As a born again believer, I should be able to walk in peace. The text says this. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Next verse says this. Trust ye in the Lord forever for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Amen. Thou will keep you in perfect peace. Now, listen, just because you're a believer don't mean that you're going to walk in peace. But it says you got to keep your mind stayed on him, focused on him, focused on his promises. And then he will keep you in perfect peace when you keep your mind stayed on him. Those who trust in him. Now, let's go to another passage that Jesus says something here in John, the 14th chapter, verse number 27, because if we're going to overcome fear, the opposite of fear to me is is faith and faith brings peace to our life. But I got, to, I, got, I got to be honest with you, there are a lot of believers, I believe, who are now, given what's transpiring, are not walking in peace. And I want to encourage you, overcome that fear and let's begin to walk in peace. Look what John 14 and 27 says. It says, this is our Savior's talking here. Jesus saying, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world give it, give I unto you. Look at what he says, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Now, most of the time when we hear this passage, it's uh, it's 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 read at funerals. And that's a good place to do it. Amen. Because when a loved one goes on to be with the Lord and we understand that he's he has a relationship with Christ Jesus, then this gives us peace to know that 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 he's he's with us always. Amen. So he says, peace, I live with live with live with leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world give it. Give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let be afraid. So I want to say during this time that we're living in here in 2020, this verse still applies. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. In Matthew 24, in that KJV, uh, it says, uh, Jesus said, see that you be not troubled. When he says, see that you be not troubled, that means that you and I 
during this uncertain time that we're living in, in this time of economic calamity, in this time of sickness and disease running rapid across this globe, he tells us, see to it that you be not troubled. Now, I got news for you. That doesn't happen automatically. It's going to happen when we begin to put the principles of God's word in place in our own lives. Amen. So so fear, fear. There's, there's two types of fear. I think I shared it with you before. Two types of fear. There's constructive fear. If you repeat that, we say constructive fear. And, and, and so what is constructive fear? Constructive fear, it's a fear that's that's good. It's a good kind of fear. Amen. It's a good kind of fear. Some fears should not be uh, should not be fought. They, they should be taken heed to. These are the, what we call constructive fears. Let's say, for instance, when you get a little anxious uh, when driving on a wet or icy road, you slow down and you take time to keep from ending up in the ditch. That's a good constructive fear. That's that's a reverential respect for that icy road. And I can't tell you the number of times, I've, even when it's wet out on the highways, it seems like in our local community, people go crazy when, when it gets wet, when, it, when, they're, when they're driving. And, and they're not slowing down and respecting the fact that their road is a little bit slippery than it was when it was 95 degrees in, in the month of July. And so you find somebody over in the ditch and you have car wrecks oftentimes when the weather gets wet. That means that somebody who's driving around didn't a man exercise some constructive fear to say that I'm going to slow down and make sure that I do not a man run into somebody else. That's constructive fear. That's that's good fear. That's that's, that's sort of like the fear of electricity. Uh, have a reverential respect for electricity that you don't go outside and grab a live, live wire. That's that's constructive fear. But there's another kind of fear that we got to be on guard against. It's called destructive fear. Repeat that. We say destructive fear. This is a fear that's baseless. It's a fear that's useless. And it's a fear that will paralyze us. Uh, uh, what does, so let's talk about what does destructive fear do in our lives? And, and I think you know, as we've been talking about over the, over the last several months, we've been dealing with uh, the children of Israel uh, when we went through our series preparing for greater. Because the Bible tells us. Uh, in First Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verse number 11 from the New Living Translation, it says these things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. So what God says, I'm going to give you a tangible example of my people. I'm going to let you see how I dealt with my people in the, under the old covenant. I'm going to give you an example of how how I dealt with them. So I want you to learn from them. And so, you know, we went through uh, several messages on preparing for greater. And uh, what we learned, some things that Israel, God's chosen people, constantly walked in destructive fear. They constantly, amen, refused to focus on him and they focused on their circumstances. And that's one thing that we got to keep in mind. God told us that we as born again believers must walk by faith. Scripture text says the just shall live by faith. It didn't say the just shall just sing about faith. It's easy to sing about it. But how do you live it? Just shall live by faith. Repeat that with me and say the just shall live by faith. One more time. Say the just shall live by faith. Okay. So 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 when we allow this destructive fear to to infiltrate our hearts, what what is it? What does it do in our lives? Okay, uh, so first thing is we discovered a- after looking at the Israel is number one: fear actually disregards God's plan. When you get into fear, you forget about what God's word says. Okay, God's promise, God's mandate to the nation of Israel was very clear. He says, "Here's your land. I've already provided it for you. Now go over and take it. Go over and possess it. Every place that your foot." Treads upon, I've already given it to. It's yours. No, no question. Yes, that's opposition over there, but it is yours. I've given it to you. I don't know about you, but I've learned in my life that when God gives a promise, if I will stand boldly upon that promise, even when in the face of opposition, God always comes through. So fear, number one, disregards God's plan. They had prevailed over Pharaoh's army. Again, when you look at the history, you, you wonder why in the world would they have doubted? Knowing what God had already did for them. 
After being in captivity for 400 plus years, and now God sends a deliverer Moses down to, to Egypt and tells Pharaoh to let my people go. And God, amen, God's general Moses led them out. He led them out of slavery in Egypt. Led them through the wilderness, went across the Red Sea, was on the cusp of the promised land, but they allowed fear, unbelief, and complaining to begin to infiltrate their heart. And so, so fear will disregard God's plan. That's what it'll cause you to do. The Bible tells us uh, that, that we can, you know, we, we, we can walk in victory, guys, no matter what's going on in our life. God has a promised land, uh, literally, amen, uh, for us as born-again believers. He, ha- he has a, a place of, of rest. And when I think about the promised land for us today, even uh, to, to have a place of rest, a, a place where I don't have to walk in fear. And that's where God wants us to be. He wants us to be there. I remember, uh, you know, we, we talk about victory because victory was already there. And we sing, we sing this song, victory is mine, victory is mine, victory today is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind me, victory today is mine. And, and, and that song resonates in my spirit because it gives me the mindset that no matter what I face, God's got my back. So first thing is fear disregards God's plan, okay? It disregards God's plan because he has a plan for each one of us. He told us that, that he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Second thing that destructive fear does. Now, I'm not talking about constructive fear. Constructive fear is a reverential awe. We ought to have a reverence for certain things. And certainly we ought to have a reverence for our God. When the, when the Bible says fear God, it's talking about reverential respect for God. Second thing that destructive fear does is destructive fear distorts God's purposes. Fear will distort how we see things. It robs us of our perspective. It brings out the worst. It brings complaining. It brings distrust. It brings finger pointing. And it brings despair. Now, guys, if you've been observing what's been happening across uh, our nation and across this globe, when people get into fear, they begin to panic buy. And I pray that none of EBC members are out there panic buying and causing a disruption in the place of business because of fear. You don't have to walk in fear. You do not have to walk. As a matter of fact, when we walk in fear, it's actually a signal that we don't trust God who says he's got our back. He, it, when we walk in fear, it means that we have failed to realize that the promises of God are still for us in spite of what we're looking at. Amen. So, so, so think about this for a second. I, I, my mind always goes back to this passage of scripture because I think it's critically important for us uh, to understand. He says, God, as Paul writes to Timothy, uh, and he, he shared with Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7, he says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Everybody say sound mind. And so, so the nation of Israel, uh, because of their uh, fear and their unbelief, uh, it distorted God's purpose in their life. His purpose was for them to inhabit the promised land, but they failed to because of fear. An entire generation did. Let me, let me, let me back up. The, ch- the, the, the next generation did experience it, but that generation that walked in fear and unbelief failed to enter in. So fear will distort God's purposes. The third thing that fear does is fear will discourage God's people. Discouragement can be contagious. Do y'all realize that? Uh, you, you can sit in a room, and if everybody start complaining, you'll start complaining. Uh, you go to your place of employment, um, uh, and then if, if this group starts complaining, if you're not careful, you'll start complaining right along with them. And, and you know, I, I, here's what I would tell you guys. Even as we sit at home and, 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 and practice social distancing, uh, I think there, you know, in, in, in my mind, there's a greater appreciation now for what God has blessed us with. It may not necessarily be what we want. It may not necessarily be what we're going to ultimately end up. But guys, I'm here to tell you that we need to be thankful for what the Lord has already done in our lives. And listen, it, I, I don't care what state you find yourself in. I promise you, if you look hard enough, you can find somebody who's worse off than you are. So, so, so. So, but, but, but when you walk in fear, it'll discourage God's people and discouragement can be contagious. The word discourage means to take away courage. That's what it literally means. When you go back and look at the children of Israel, 10, 10 of the 12 men came back with a bad report and those 10 infected the entire nation. 
They infected the entire nation and caused them to fail to receive God's promise. Now, I want to tell you, don't you be guilty as a believer of buying into a discouragement that's being talked about by everybody else. You make sure that you, as a born-again believer, stand boldly upon God's word. Because if the just lives by faith, then, then that means that we got to talk something different than those who are not talking faith. Okay? So we got to make sure that we don't get caught up in that because discouragement can be contagious. Negativity is contagious. When you're around a bunch of negative folks, you're not careful, you'll start talking negative. Okay? So fear discourages God's people. Fourth thing that fear does, destructive fear. Now, not, not, not constructive fear, but destructive fear, amen, disobeys God's principles. Amen? It disobeys God's principles. Uh, it's a harsh truth, but when you really get down to it, fear is disobedience, plain and simple. Because if God tells you, I'm going to leave you with peace. My peace I leave with you. So why, if he left that peace with us, why are we not, why are we not operating in that peace? Now again, granted, listen, listen, listen to me very careful. I don't want to, I don't make it sound like that if fear rose up in your heart or your mind that, that you are, uh, you know, you, 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 you're no good and God can't use you. There is a sudden fear. And I, I, I quote it all the time. I think it's Proverbs 3 and 25. It says, be not afraid of sudden fear. Neither of the desolation of the wicked when it comes, it says, for the Lord will be your confidence. The Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. So I I admit it. If something suddenly like what we're experiencing today rises up, because again, nobody predicted this. Let me back up. I say that scripture predicted things like this. Scripture predicted that as we get close to the end times that we'll see uh, all kind of pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places, wars and rumors of war. So the, 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 the prophetic time clock did predict these kind of things. As a matter of fact, this is not necessarily the first time we've had this kind of thing happen, amen, across this globe. You, how, you know, there, there have been pandemics before, you know. Uh, how many of y'all remember the HIV AIDS uh, pandemic? And it's an example of one of the most destructive global pandemics in our history. Uh, there have been several flu uh, pandemics that have occurred, amen, more than once. Uh, you all have been probably hearing more about the, sp- the, the, the Spanish flu that took place uh, in 1918. Listen to this. 40 to 50 million people died as a result of the Spanish flu. Uh, the Asian flu in 1957 killed 2 million people. Now watch this. In the Hong Kong flu, uh, in 1968, killed one million people. So this is not anything new. And 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 for us as believers, when you really get down to it, when you start studying your Bible, you understand that these type things, Amen, were prophesied to occur as we get close to the last days. Now, listen, uh, you know, you can choose to walk in fear, or you can you can choose to walk in a sense of anticipation and expectancy. I believe that Jesus is coming back for His church. No man knows the day nor the hour, but the Bible says very clear we should be able to discern the signs of the time. And I believe that God has given us just a hint because, you know, uh, if I had if I had asked you uh, on January 1, um, uh, do you believe it's possible for uh, for every person in the United States of America to stop working at one time? Virtually, let's say virtually 80 percent of the workforce just shuts down and we still be able to survive. You probably said, well, Pastor, that ain't going to happen. But guess what? It just did happen. It just did happen. And so when I see and observe, and I was talking to a preacher the other day, I said, when I see and observe what's happening now, it brings into clearer focus to me some of the prophetic things that are laid out in Scripture as it relates to what can transpire as we get close to the time of Jesus Christ coming back. Because I believe those birth pains are getting closer together. If I got a, a, a mother out there can tell me that, that when those birth pains start getting real close and severe and closer together, you knew it was about time for your water to break. And so I think spiritually speaking, it's, it's getting close to time for this earth's water to break. And Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. Amen. So so we got to make sure, guys, we understand that in spite of what we're facing, we can still have peace. Amen. So so fear, fear, we said fear uh, uh, discourages God's people. Fear, number four, uh, uh, disbelieves God's promises. Fear 
disobeys God's principles. Amen. It walks away from God's principles. The children of Israel, uh, as they were given that promise, they they failed to follow it and receive it because of their fear and their unbelief. So, so, brother pastor, don't leave me hanging. The title of this message is overcoming your fear, overcoming fear. So if you will, go with me to First uh, John, the fourth chapter, verse number 18. Let's take a look at that. First John, chapter four. And we're going to look at verse number 18. Hallelujah. I thank God that we serve a savior who is there beside us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. So we're going to stand in faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. So, but watch this, watch this. Text says this. Such love has no fear because perfect love does what? Expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his what? Perfect love. Let's, let's, let's go to the King James Version of that passage, that same passage. I like the way it reads there, okay? KJV, 1 John 4 and 18 says, there is no fear in what? Love. Now, to understand this context, you got to go back and see that prior to this, the writer uh, John was actually uh, talking about God and how God is love. So when it says love, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in God. So if I'm going to overcome fear, one of the things I got to make sure I do is I got to stay in God. Now, when I say stay in God, I mean, I mean, stay closely connected to him. Because how many of y'all realize that you can have a relationship with somebody, be a part of that family, but not have closeness, not have a, a, an, an abiding fellowship with those in your family? Because we talk about this all the time. I think many times uh, uh, we are not sometimes where we need to be as born again believers because we... Uh, many of us haven't dealt with relationship issues that have gone awry. And a lot of those relationship issues come from uh, our families of origin. So you can be a part of something, but not necessarily be connected to it. You can have a relationship with God, but not be in close fellowship with God. And so even though you got relationship with God, but if you're not in close fellowship with God, when times of turmoil come, when times of testing come, you're not going to have peace. Because you're not connected to the God who brings peace. Look at what the text says again one more time. It says, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. There's no fear in God. Because, again, uh, he says here, uh, uh, go back up, if you will, to verse number 16. Let's go back to verse number 16 and so we can pull this on in and get some understanding. So he says, and we have known and believe the love that God has to us. God is love. Repeat that. Let me say God is love. Now you got to say it like you mean it. Everybody say God is love. Amen. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love does what? Dwelleth in God. And God in him. Now again, understand this. Uh, there's you know, in the Greek, uh, we, we use love very flippantly a lot, a lot of times nowadays. And we describe love for many different things. But we, we've in our study, we understood that that basically there are five different Greek words for love. Now, this word right here, this kind of love here is what we call agape love, which is unconditional love. You have eros, which is romance. You have epithumens, which is sex, the sex act. You have uh, 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 phileo, which is friendship. And you have storge, which is a sense of family security and belonging. So, listen, this kind of love here, amen, it, it, it encompasses all of that because agape love is the God kind of love. It's that unconditional love. Everybody say unconditional. Look at verse number 17. Watch this. Watch this. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Okay? Because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, again, when I have close connection with God, when I'm in fellowship with God, when I'm communing with God, then I, 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 I'm, I'm prepared because I got boldness and I'm not allowing my circumstances to shake me. Sudden fear may come. And, and, and when you get unexpected news, sudden fear does come. But scripture says, don't be afraid of the sudden fear. Don't be afraid 
when that thing comes, once, once that sudden fear comes, you get a call saying, run, come to the hospital. You get a, you get a, you know, you know, if somebody knocks you at your door in the middle of the night, automatically fear rises up. Have you ever got a phone call late at night? Uh, and, and immediately your heart starts to beat because nobody should in their right mind should be calling you at 1 a.m. saying, hey, what you doing? Baby, at 1 a.m., you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting close to 57. At 1 a.m., I promise you, most nights, unless I'm up studying, most nights I am probably, my wife tells me I snore. I don't believe that I snore. As a matter of fact, I, 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 I well, let me back up. She recorded me one night. That wasn't right, was it? She recorded me snoring. So that I could not deny it because I don't you don't even know that you're snoring. But at 1 a.m., if I get a call from my son-in-law at 1 a.m., first time I'm like, Eddie, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Because sudden fear will begin to pop up. But then I don't have to allow sudden fear to overtake me and, and just, just engulf my life and cause me to make decisions that are outside the will of God. So don't be afraid of it, the scripture tells us. But now watch, watch. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Watch this. Look at the next verse. There is no fear in love. There ain't no fear in God. So I got to make sure if I'm feeling fear, that means that my connectivity to God is not where it needs to be. My fellowship is off course. Are you with me? My fellowship is off course. My communing time with God is not where it needs to be. Now, let, me, let, me, let me say this right quick and I need y'all to hear me. So you may be a born-again believer, but that don't mean that you're growing in your faith. You can be a born-again believer and be a baby Christian like those saints, many of those saints at the church of Corinth that Paul was talking to. Paul told the church of Corinth, he says, there is some stuff I want to tell you. I want to talk to you about some things, but I can't because you are babies in Christ. You are immature. As a matter of fact, let's turn that right quick. I'm going to just real briefly, 1 Corinthians I believe it's in chapter number two. Glory to God. And, and we got to make sure. Uh, no, chapter number three. Watch what he says in chapter number three. First Corinthians chapter number three. Watch this. Watch this. Because in many of our churches, guys, what I've discovered is, is we have people who've been in church for a long period of time. They saved. They died today. They're going to heaven. But they're not maturing in their faith. And one of the reasons why we know they're not maturing in their faith is because of, of, of the actions that we see being taking place on a, on, a, on, a, on a daily basis. The text says this, and I, brother, this is the Apostle Paul talking to the church of Corinth. He says, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. The word carnal means worldly or fleshly minded. He says, but as unto carnal, even as unto what? Babes in Christ. Watch this. I fed you with milk. And not with me, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. He says, you can't handle what I really need to tell you and what, and what I want you to be able to digest. But right now, you, you can't digest it because you're still spiritual babies. For you are yet carnal, which means worldly. How do you know, Paul, that they're worldly? He says, for whereas there is among you envying and strife anytime Within the confines of a body of believers, a family of faith, a church family, when there's envy and strife and when there is divisions in the church, you got a bunch of babies in the church. Are you with me? And I'm going to tell you now, when during times of turmoil like this, you don't need a bunch of babies whining and complaining. We need a people who are faith, who are growing in their faith. He says, are you not carnal and don't you walk as men? Verse number four says this, watch this. For while one says, I'm a Paul and another, I'm a Apollos, are you not kind of people lining up behind certain personalities and celebrity pastors? It's not about the pastor, it's about Jesus, amen, the author and the finish of our faith. So don't ever look at me always. If you look at me, I'm going to point you to Jesus because he's the one who gives us peace in the midst of the storm. Can I get a witness? So, so, so the Corinthian church was, was, was spiritual babies. Now, guys, listen to me. Hear me carefully. You don't grow and become mature just by coming to church. The Bible says as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Amen. So if you don't have any word time, hear me carefully. If there's no word time, no prayer time, no meditation time, if you not engage yourself in the discipleship, training program of your church or if your church don't even have one uh, or maybe it's not where it needs to be I'm going to encourage you to get in the word as newborn babies desire 
the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You can't grow without word. God's word. Amen. We believe that the Bible is true. We believe that God gave his revelatory word to the church. And when we will follow that word, that word will produce life. I'm a living witness that it will. When we stand boldly on truth and stand in faith, his word, amen, amen, gives us what we need. So, so, so how do we overcome these fears? Okay, Pastor, you've been talking a long time. G- give me some information. Well, number one, in order to overcome fear, you got to understand fear's origin. Before you can conquer fear, you must understand where it originates. And many times, I'm going to tell you, with believers, sometimes we, we don't want to admit it, but our fear comes from a lack of trust in God. Because if, if we go back to 1 John uh, chapter 4, if you pop that back up, it says perfect love does something with fear. Perfect love is, is that agape love, the God kind of love. Am I, am I right about it? Why? She says there is no fear in love, but perfect love casted out fear. So who is, who is love? God is. He's perfect love, agape love. So if I'm connected to God, not just relationally, but in fellowship with him, close proximity, whereas his word is guiding my life, then now I am in a position to where he can give me that peace that I need, that when I'm not walking in fear. There is no, no fear in love, but perfect love does what? It casts out fear. So if you find yourself being fearful, I want you to check your proximity to your God. I mean, because just, 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 being born again doesn't mean that you're not going to walk in fear. You can be born again and not experience God's, amen, greater blessing. Listen, that's the children of Israel, guys, they were God's people. And even those who died in the wilderness were still his chosen generation. But they failed to receive what was available to them because of fear and unbelief. Okay? Are y'all with me today? So understand fear's origin. Dr. Joseph Wolpe, a 20th century uh, South Af- African psychiatrist who dedicated his career to understand the origin of people's greatest fears or phobias, uh, discovered that many people live their entire lives tormented by a particular fear that's rooted in a single traumatic event in their childhood. I, I think I shared with you guys, my, my wife, my beautiful wife, Watchers Maria, she had a fear of water. Um, and that fear of water uh, stemmed from the fact that one time she thought she could swim because she could swim in the bathtub. I'm putting you out there, Maria. She could swim in the bathtub. And so she, I think she went to Cincinnati to visit her sister and, 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 and her brother-in-law. And this is she was younger. And she, because she swam in the bathtub, she jumped in the swimming pool. And they had to come and get her out of there. So that fear rose up. But let me tell you, at, 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 in her 50s, she decided to face that fear. Started taking swimming lessons and learned how to swim and she overcame that fear. Now, she would never have overcame that fear had she not been honest about the origin of the fear. See, many of you sitting there right now, you can't deal with your fears because, because you, you're afraid to, to actually address it and talk about it out loud. Amen. There are many people who will, who will not pursue deep relationship because they are afraid they'll get hurt like they were hurt 15 years ago or 30 years ago. So they're not going to get real close to you. They're not going to let you get close to them. And, and, and even though all of us were created to have connection with other people, they're not going to get close to you because they were hurt the last time they got close to somebody. And so, so but until they face that, until they're honest about that, uh, they'll, they, they won't have the, the luxury or the, or the beauty of having that close connection with, with, with people uh, like God desires for us. Because listen, God saved us to connect with people. I tell you all the time, listen, if you are a part of the church, but they don't like church people, there's something wrong with you. I'm going to say it again. Your, your vertical relationship with God cannot be right when your horizontal relationship with people is off course. If you don't like dealing with people, then God's got a problem with you. I'm telling you right now. So you better, if, if you want to please God, if you want to be in close fellowship with God, because God is love and perfect love does what? Cast out fear. But if I'm not in close fellowship with God, I'm going to be fearful during times like this. There are a lot of people, again, a lot of folks who stay away from God and don't have anything to do with the walk of faith because they had a negative experience at church. 
a negative experience at church. And so, so, th- so they say, I'm going to stay away. Now, listen, th- that doesn't make sense to me. I-, I understand how people would think that way. But, but in every other area of life, when we face disappointment, we don't just give up on every other area of life. We can't, we, we don't do that. But when it comes to church, sometimes we'll pull ourselves away. Because this, this church and no other church in America is a perfect church. Because you got imperfect people there. So I don't know why you expected to have a perfection in the church. You're going to have people who are dealing with issues just like you are. But here's the thing. When we learn to grow and allow the word of God to have a preeminent place in our heart, we can, amen, enjoy, amen, this life like Jesus told us he wants to enjoy. He said in John 10 and 10, the thief coming not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Okay? So you got to, if you overcome your fear, you got to understand fear's origin. Now, again, what's happening with us today, what's the origin of that fear? It's that fear, for a believer, it's going back to, will I be affected? And can God protect me during times like this? Okay? Um, and so, so, so start to unpack those layers of self-protection that, that you've been covering up all these years, amen? That's been covering up those destructive fears there. And you'll often find one or two significant events in your life that, that, that are the root of that fear. And, and with believers, guys, uh, I'm here to tell you, during times like these, if you unpack it, it's usually because there's not that close fellowship with God, that connection there that caused you to, to, to walk in perfect love. I mean, perfect love is God love, the God kind of love. And that, that don't happen. You can be in relationship with God, but not be in close fellowship with God. Saved, if you die today, you're going to heaven, but walking in fear. Number two, number two, expose fear's lies. Fear's Fear, expose the lies that fears will tell you. In John 8 and 40, 44, Jesus refers to Satan as a father and as a liar and the father of lies, revealing his primary strategy for bringing out about defeat and destruction in our life is telling us lies, deception. Guys, so, 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 so make sure that, that as a born again believer, you're not, you're not, uh, uh, following lies. Expose the lies that fears tell us. Amen. Are y'all with me today? Destructive fear will start spinning these horror stories in your imagination. And, 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 and they will usually go down, uh, you know, one or two pre- predictable tracks. Either tragedy or betrayal is going to happen. That's what they start. To, destructive fear start telling you lies. And guess who's the father of lies? If somebody's the father of something, that means that you invented lying. Satan invented lying. It started in the Garden of Eden. It's just not, listen, he lied to Eve. He said, Eve, yea, has God really said that? He distorted and lied about what God's word says. So, guys, I'm going to tell you something. Listen, deal with the issue. Listen, expose fears lies. We got to understand that, that we are the head and the tail. We're above and not beneath. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. We got to keep telling ourselves that. Amen? Let's, you know, say, for instance, and, and, uh, we, we got to realize that, 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 that fear will we'll, we'll tell you some stuff that, that's, that's not really true. Let's, let, let's say, for instance, suppose you need to confront your spouse on a serious issue. How many of y'all out there married? Okay, you're married. Are right, you married. And, and how many, during the course of your marriage, and, and if you've been married any prolonged period of time, there have been times when you had to deal with some real tough issues, right? Some, some what we call some, uh, some, some intentional stuff, some, some intensive stuff, some crucial conversations that need to be held. And how many of you know there are some people who are afraid to do that? They're afraid to confront because maybe maybe uh, maybe uh, they, they're afraid that the person's going to leave and the person's going to blow up. The person's going to do this and do that. So they they're afraid to address this. And sometimes you can trace their fear back to childhood, where you were not allowed to say anything. You were not allowed to ask a question. You just do what I say. Any parent out there, let me tell you something. It's always good good. You know, you as a parent should rear your children, but always give your children an opportunity to ask questions. And you ask them questions because you don't know what's going on in their mind until you ask them. If it's all about what you say and no questions, you don't know what they're thinking. I want to know what they're thinking. I want to know what's going on inside so I can address it. Uh, so, so sometimes because of maybe as a child you were not allowed to do that, then now you're afraid to ask questions when it comes to dealing with your spouse. Listen, whatever crucial issue it is, don't let the devil tell you that lie that you cannot be honest and truthful. So third thing is face fear head on. Face it head on. Everybody say face fear head on. Studies show that avoiding our fears 
only cause them to increase. So if you if you find yourself fearful during this time, honestly confront it, face it head on, say, listen, God, listen, I, I, I'm scared. And I'm scared because, God, I really I really haven't spent much time with you. I, I've been going to church, God. I, I've, I, I sing in the choir, usher on the usher door. I preach from the pulpit. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a part of the parking lot ministry. And I've been involved in church, but God, I've been doing stuff for you, but I got to admit during this time that I'm fearful, I haven't been spending any time for you. There's so many Christians who are guilty of doing stuff for God, but not spending time with God. God wants your doing for him to flow out of your time being with him. I, th- I like the way that sounds. God wants your doing for him to flow out of your time of being with him. Because when you do that, guys, let me tell you something. You position yourself where you don't have to walk in fear. So face your fear head on. Uh, point number four, speak words of truth. Speak words of truth. Final point, speak words of truth. Go with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Speak words of truth. Everybody say, speak words of truth. So in other words, during this, during this turbulent time, I, as a born-again believer, need to make sure that that, first of all, I get some word down on the inside of me. Because words, the Bible says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it eat the fruit thereof. What are you saying? All right? That's why, guys, listen. Uh, look at 2 Corinthians 10, chapter, verse number 3. 2 Corinthians 10, verse number 3. Watch this. Watch this, guys. Listen. How many of y'all been watching the daily press briefings that have been, that have been, that our federal government has been putting on? Those daily press briefings are designed, they're designed to alleviate fear. But listen to me. In order for it to alleviate fear, you got to speak truth. You can't get up there and make stuff up. Hello? In John 8 and 31, Jesus said, if you continue my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, when truth comes, truth ain't always pleasant. Truth is not always what we want to hear, but I'm here to tell you, truth will set you free. In the church, when you hear a sermon that deals with your issue, don't take your Bible and go home and get mad at the pastor. Amen. If, if it's speaking to your issue, amen, receive that and then make a course correction. You know, too many times during time like this, people start playing politics. And, and see, we need to hear words of truth. In that realm, but more importantly, we need to hear words of truth, amen, in the spirit realm. Second Corinthians 10, chapter verse number three. Watch what the text says. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Verse number four says this. For the weapons of our what? Warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strong. The weapons of our warfare, the spiritual warfare is not fought with physical weapons. It's fought with spiritual weapons. And that's the problem. If you're not spending time with God, you don't have any spiritual weaponry to, to, to do battle with the devil with. And he'll eat you alive with a spirit of fear. God didn't give it to you because we said, Paul told Timothy, God gave us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. All right? So, so, so be willing to speak truth. We need to hear that because he says, uh, if you pop that back up, Second Corinthians 10, chapter verse number, verse number four, it says, what? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to so the putting down the strongholds. Watch this. Casting down what? Imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. When we talk about speaking truth, what we're saying is this. Guys, hear me carefully. In your thought life, there's going to be stuff that comes that's not God honoring, that's not showing that you trust and, and you have faith in God. But when that stuff comes, just because it comes, we don't have to let it stay. I give you an example all the time. I heard a guy say this. He said, you, you can't stop birds from flying over your head, but you sure can't stop them from building a nest up there. And so when those, when those thoughts of fear, when those thoughts of, I ain't going to make it, or what's we going to do? Uh, when those thoughts start coming, you, you have to bring them into captivity. Capture them with the word of God. Amen. Go to your word. Speak words of truth over your thought life. 
Go to the promises of God's word. If you, you know, just get you some, get you some scriptures on, on fear and begin to meditate and quote those every day. Speak truth. Keep the word before your eyes. And certainly, amen, spend time in prayer. So you got to speak words of truth. That scripture tells us we got to bring those thoughts into captivity. So if you have any fear, you got to capture those fearful thoughts. Capture them. Put the word of God before your face and speak that and let that override those thoughts of fear that's coming to your head. Guys, overcoming fear. Let's review right quick. We, we, we can do it, guys. We can do it. Understand fears. Where is it coming from? Am I fearful because I really haven't been spending time with God and I'm not in close fellowship? Because if I am, perfect love casts out fear. So if I got fear in me, that means perfect love is not operating the way it needs to operate. Okay? So I got I to ask myself a question. Have I been just going to church and playing church? Or do I really have a close connection with God? Only you know the answer. And the people who live with you know, of course. Because they see you when you're not at church. And see, the just shall live by faith. Not come to church and have faith on Sunday. And then when we leave, there's no faith. Okay? So, understand fear's origin. Expose fear's lies. Face that fear head on. And speak words of truth to your fear. Guys, listen. Life can be tough at times. But, but we as believers, we are overcomers. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. He died on the cross for our sin. Amen. Uh, Crucified, buried in a borrowed tomb, rose early the first day of the week with all power and heaven up his hand. And he has delegated that authority to us. We can walk in power. We can walk in faith and we can overcome fear. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, we thank you and we praise you for another day's journey. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that you've given us. Father God, we don't have to walk in fear. You told us not to worry, but to pray about everything. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep our hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. I thank you for it right now, God, that you've given us the ability to stand in faith rather than in fear. God, help us to be an example to the world of what it looks like to trust in the triune God. Let us be an example to the world of what it means to stand in faith regardless of what it looks like. Father God, we thank you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, glory to God.